Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup edition from Emerald Downs. The Breeders' Cup, the 2021 this weekend. If you're coming to Emerald Downs, gates open on Friday at 9 a.m. Gates open Saturday at 8.30 a.m., Saturday, November 6th. And the third floor will be open for some overflow, but of course, start up on the fifth floor. First come, first serve with tables. So get here early for the 38th running of the Cup. Joe Withy along with Vince Brune and John Lindley, a guest with us on this podcast of Horse Racing Northwest. Welcome, John. It's great to be here. You know, we just had Halloween, which is candy for kids. And this weekend, it's candy for horse racing fans. This is, I don't know, for me, it's the best weekend of the year. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's just such a great buildup. There's 14 races uh, it used to be where you could remember a lot of the, the the winners for the many, many years. But now that there's 14 races, it gets a little tougher, but still some great handicapping. Hey, I'm going to go back uh, to the beginnings. When I first heard of the Breeders' Cup, I got a job at Long Acres in 84. But in 83, I was working at KVI in the sports department with J. Michael Kenyon, 7-Eleven Sports. And I'd go out to Long Acres. I got to know the people in the media center. And Scott Ellingson was doing the job that I would do starting in 84 doing tons and tons and tons of radio reports. And he goes, hey, uh, so yeah, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, no. What? What is that? What? I haven't, you haven't heard about the Breeders' Cup? He told me about it, and it was just joyous, man, to hear of a championship day in racing. Vince, uh, where did some of your well, memories I go back? I remember hearing an interview. I think John Gaines was the original. It was his concept, uh, hence the Breeders' yep. Cup. He was an influential breeder. And that was in, like in 1982. And I, wow, I was kind of like you. I was just, the, the thought of having so many big races back to back to back and all the talent at the same track and all that was a bit overwhelming. And then, unfortunately, the first Breeders' Cup day in 84, um, I was covering a Husky football game. And uh, we were getting updates throughout the day. And uh, I missed it. 
But it was, uh, I remember looking at the charts that night and there was all kinds of crazy upsets and disqualifications. And then of course the great uh, initial classic, we had a horse like Wild Again where they supplemented him for what was it, 150,000? 360,000. 360,000, yeah. he wins at 31 to one, has to survive an inquiry. And Wild Again is right in between him and Gate Dancer pulling his annex in the stretch. Yeah, it was just tremendous, the whole thing. How about thing. the stones on that? You supplement a horse for $360,000, and he's a huge long shot. John, you remember yeah, that first well, year? Yeah, well, Slew of Gold was a favorite that yeah. year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I know he had a foot issue, and I remember reading about that going into the race, and I didn't, I think, I don't think I could bet it. I don't think we could bet it anywhere. I don't remember for sure, but I remember watching it on TV. But you're right. I didn't know till after the fact that he had supplemented and they talked to the owner, and he's like, yeah, you know, no big deal. But I assume he bet his horse, too. So Jeez. he probably got his money back in addition to the purse. But what a great start to the Breeders' Cup. Um, I think, you know, yeah. that was the beginning. And then three or four years later, it really got going with some big names of horses that um, we remember now all the way. Here we almost 40 years later. <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, let's hear some audio of an early Breeders' Cup classic that uh, we all three remember fondly, and we'll go to that right now. There at the quarter pole here at Hollywood Park, and it is Judge Angelucci on the outside. Kenny's going toward the rail. Ferdinand and Alex Sheba coming on from the outside. Good command is in behind horses. They're less than a furlong out. Judge Angelucci desperate. Ferdinand right there. Shiba on the outside, Ferdinand, Judge Angelucci on the outside, Ali Shiba, Ferdinand has the lead, Ali Shiba, a final surge, the two derby winners hit the wire together, Ferdinand and Ali Shiba in a dramatic photo finish in the world's richest horse race. The 1987 Breeders' Cup Classic, Ferdinand over Ali Sheba. John, that was uh, a race that you wanted to feature for the show. Yeah, it was the first time I ever attended a Breeders' Cup. And it was actually the first time I ever went to a racetrack in California. Because mm. part of that, I'd only been to Long Acres and Emerald, or, I'm sorry, Long Acres and Yakima. But um, no, I was there. I, I didn't have the best of seats, but I still can vi vividly see the two horses moving outside of Judge Angelucci, leaving the second turn there. And it, you know who was in that race? He had Skywalker and Judge Angelucci, of course, Long Anchor's Mile Winners. He had Shoemaker, Pinkai, Cordero, Pat Day, um, P. Val was in there. Probably, And then, of yeah. course, um, McCarran. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking just loaded field of horses. And all day we saw, I think, Theatrical win, yep. Miesque win, mm -hmm. Sacagawea win, very subtle win to sprint. I'm missing one horse, and I think there was yeah. a DQ. There was a, well, the... Philly kicked it off. You mentioned P. Val. I think it was, was it? Six? Jeannie Jones uh, beat, uh, a, oh no, Jeannie Jones got beat by Epitome, I think. Got in the, beat in the by Epitome. Phillies. And yeah, Charlie Whittingham was rather upset because they had the the uh, automatic cameras going off near the wire and he thought it spooked Jeannie yeah. Jones. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one thing I remember, I, I have that 87 Breeders' Cup. I think it's on YouTube and I had it on video. Uh, a young Gary Stevens had just established himself in Southern California, but he had gotten injured, so he was unable to compete. But he was on with Dick Enberg doing color commentary, okay. and he did a wonderful job on the and whole And you broadcast. were where that day? Um, I All I remember is being sitting next to Mark Kavastic, who covered racing for the Journal American in Bellevue, and he and I were both big horse racing fans, and we were kind of talking more foot or horse racing than football that day. Yeah. And, uh, and it was it was a different era. It wasn't so easy to get updates on anything. You know, you didn't have a TV right next to you in the press box. They maybe had two in the whole press. I think we might have been at Purdue that day. Um, something like that, I want to remember. 
Um, then he got a, an update and he said, wow, we got to see the class. Because someone yeah. had told him that it, it, it was uh, exceeded all billing with Ferdinand and Ali Shivas. Tom Durkin said the two Derby winners hit the wire together. And Judge Angelucci, I've mentioned before, Charlie Whittingham trained Judge Angelucci um, in addition to Ferdinand. And watching the stretch run after the race, he kept commenting on Judge Angelucci hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> he was almost as impressed with that as he was with, of course, Ferdinand's great win. And he did hang in there for a yeah. solid third behind those two Hall of Famers. I I played Dali Sheba in that race, and uh, I just kind of couldn't get by. Um, but uh, John White, who's basically, he's going to join us on this podcast via tape, as is the big A, Anthony Stabil. John mentioned that uh, Ali Sheba was probably the best horse that day. He got a little bit of rough trip, and he said it was one of the great rides ever by Bill Shoemaker as well aboard Ferdinand. And he did the same. He got a great ride in the Derby in 86, oh. Shoemaker. Yeah. Well, Ali Sheba did get uh, the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic the following the year, year in 88 in the yeah. snow. In the dark at uh, Churchill. Churchill. It wasn't snowing. Was it? I thought they had like little snowflakes mixed with yeah. rain. I kind of remember that near the I end. I was there. But, you know, uh, I okay. wasn't there. What was colder, Joe? 91 <laughs> at Churchill or 88 at Churchill or Arlington Park? Because I know Arlington was freezing I wasn't colder. at Arlington, but 91 was... Yeah. cold and windy a yeah. cold wind at churchill but uh nonetheless that 87 yeah uh, skywalker was in there the defending mile champ and gary bays had been riding judge angelucci yeah and but eddie d was selected for the classic that year yeah they're kind of similar riders and you know, both stoics and very calm in the saddle um yeah, I, they, i've mentioned before the 87 miles standing on the rail judge angelucci that was a very uh awesome performance just watching a horse that good just toy with some good rivals oh. along he was i mean he was a really really good horse he was just geared down the final eighth but he was still just a machine and yeah, i'm like was, wow that that is what a real grade one horse looks like right there that was a real easy race for him the mile that year that's how good he was yeah so that yeah, just a, a thrilling moment in breeders cup history um, John White has been the morning line price maker. I believe he said this was his seventh Breeders' Cup to make the morning line, six at Santa Anita, and now this is his first at Del Mar. And uh, he talks a little bit about uh, the Del Mar 2017 Breeders' Cup as we go back four years in history. Let's hear from John. When the uh, Breeders' Cup was held at Del Mar in 2017, of the 14 Breeders' Cup races, only three were won by California-based horses. Interestingly, New York fared quite well. There were five of the 14 races taken by a horse coming off a race in New York. And Europe did quite well uh, as well. Four of the 14 Breeders' Cup races were taken by a horse who had last raced in Europe. So between New York and Europe, they won nine of the 14 Breeders' Cup races at Del Mar. So that's something to maybe keep in mind for this year's Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. Something else that's uh, quite interesting is that uh, how poorly the favorites did at the 2017 Breeders' Cup when it was held at Del Mar. Of the seven Breeders' Cup dirt races, none, zero, nada, were won by the betting favorite. It's really kind of amazing. And uh, of the uh, turf races, two were taken by the favorites. So of the 14 races, only two favorites were able to get the job done. 
So, favorites did not do well at all at Del Mar in 2017. Um, I've got some stats here. What do you think the percentage of winning favorites is for all 360 Breeders' Cup races? Anybody want to make a guess? I would guess, well, it's probably going to be a little lower than average because of the big there fields and they're really good. I'd and say 28%. Average? The average is, universal average 33. is 33. Yeah. yeah. 31% favorites, okay. 28% on the turf for winning favorites. So, but that's what big fields do. You know, Actually, those aren't bad numbers for the favorite no. when you consider yeah. what the quality of the competition. The quality, yeah, because if you're a favorite in the Breeders' Cup, you got to beat some good horses to get the money. There's there's no uh, stragglers in How those How about races. this? 10 to 1 plus winners in Breeders' Cup well, There's races. a lot of those. <laughs> so uh, at Emerald Downs, you know, I mean, we don't hit 10% in many, many years. We haven't hit 10%, 10 if uh, a, a big track with a you know high field size around eight and a half to nine, uh, I've seen as high as fifteen percent or so for a meet. Twenty-eight percent, mm-hmm. ten to one or greater winners in Breeders' and Cup it, history. And it makes good sense. We mentioned the big fields, and all the horses in those races are capable of winning. You know, they're they're yeah. good horses. Good so. horses at big prices. Yeah. And on the turf, it's even higher. On the turf races, thirty-one percent, ten to one or greater winners. Wow. Yeah. And odds on winners on the grass, seven for 19, 37%. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, that kind of figures to change a little bit this year. We got some heavy favorites. We're going to talk about some picks a little bit later. Uh, let's go back to John and finish uh, um, hearing from him. John is going to talk about the classic, and uh, he's got a selection in there. John White. Uh, as far as the classic goes, I made Nick's go the five to two favorite. Uh, you know, he's undefeated when running in two-turn races for trainer Brad Cox. He's 7-for-7 seven for, seven for Brad Cox in two-turn races, and the Breeders' Cup Classic $6 million race will be run around two turns. Nick Spo also has big buyer speed figures. He's got the highest buyer speed figure in a two-turn race, a race at a mile or longer this year in the United States of 113. He also has really strong thoroughgraph figures, and I think the thoroughgraph numbers are better than the buyers because the thoroughgraph figures take more into account than the buyers. The buyers are good, no question about it. I refer to them a lot in my weekly expressbet.com column, but the thoroughgraphs are a stronger number because they take into account ground loss, uh, the wind even, and so forth. So how much weight was carried? interesting in the Breeders' Cup Classic, Nixco is a very fast horse. Uh, I expect him to get the lead. If he do, if he breaks poorly, it's going to turn this Breeders' Cup Classic really on its head. It's going to kind of turn it upside down. But assuming he comes out of the gate in good order, I expect him to get the early lead, or at the very least vie for the early lead, maybe with Medina Spirit to the first turn, the clubhouse turn. But one of the real weapons for Nixco is his ability to run around a turn. He's a real equine athlete in that regard. And Nixco oftentimes will kind of show some separation of at least a length or more, maybe even open up a clear lead on that first turn. He does it because he runs the turn so well, and he does it fast, but he does it effortlessly. So even though he's running fast, it's not like taking, you know, a lot out of his gas tank. And that's proven by how well he's finished his races. When you look at his uh, last three races, for instance, all victories uh, by pretty big margins, four lengths, four and a half lengths, and a little over 10 lengths, 
in each of those races, he increased his lead from the eighth pole, which you know, near the top of the stretch, the green and white pole that's 220 yards from the finish. In all three of those races, he increased his margin in that final furlong. Plus, as Brad Cox has noted, he's galloped out strongly after the finish. So in other words, he's not coming home on fumes in those races. Quite the contrary, he's coming home strongly. So Nixco gives every indication that he'll run well at the mile and a quarter because this is the farthest he's ever raced. He's never raced farther than a mile and an eighth before. Painter, however, his sire almost won the mile and a half Belmont Stakes against Union Rags, and Nixco's uh, grandsire, the sire of Painter, awesome again, was a very good mile and a quarter horse. In fact, won a Breeders' Cup Classic at a mile and a quarter. Essential quality merits uh, the utmost respect, and uh, I'm picking at Nixco to win it with essential quality second. In listening to John, guys, uh, you know, he, I got to admit, he kind of sold me on Nick's go. I was kind of trying to beat him, you know, with the good three-year-olds. But uh, uh, his description of Nick's go running the turns so well, mm-hmm. tremendous on the turns. And even though he hasn't gone a mile and a quarter, that was my play to maybe go against him. He's been increasing his margin in the stretch at these mile and an eighth races. Yeah. He's not staggering on in. And he's got a high cruising speed. I don't know what you guys think of him, but I mean, uh, I, I can I think he is a legitimate oh, I, favorite. Yeah, I respect him a lot. It is a tough field this year. You, it's yeah. pretty deep. Um, but you mentioned I think the difference might be that final eighth of a mile. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. gets him. Um, but he is one of those horses. I will say he, he really puts you in a tough position because if you go with him, you're cooked, and if you let him one go, you're cooked. One of those. So yeah. It's, what's the old saying? You ask the guy in the electric chair, "How would you like it, AC or DC?" <laughs> That's kind of what a Nick's go kind of does to you. But I'm going to try to beat him. And Okay. And uh, we'll hear from that soon. John uh, John White also mentioned that uh, Nick's go is seven for seven under Brad Cox's training in two-turn races. So he's only been beaten in one-turn races. So that's another thing in his favor. What do you think about Nick's go, You know, it would be interesting there. I don't know if what everybody remember, Go Sapper and Roses in May – both were speed horses going into, the, I think, the Lone Star race. Yep. And yeah, Frankel Star, goes yeah. over to the trainer of Roses and May. He said, you have two choices. You can run with me and you'll run last. Or you can sit second and then we'll make it a two-horse race. And it'll be interesting to see what Bob Baffert does with the three-year-old Kentucky Derby winner. Because he's only won when he's been on the lead. And he's quick, too. He's California quick, which is usually a little faster than East Coast quick. He drew outside. It'll be interesting to see what Baffert does. And I... I I know Baffert's not going to concede the lead, an easy lead to Nick's go. I think Nick's goes quick, but Medina Spirit's going to be right on him, which I think may set it up for somebody. Well, I kind of agree with you there. And, and Medina Spirit is tenacious. Oh, he's he, tough horse. And he, he can get the distance. So I got a lot of respect for him. Respect extra, for him. Extra medicine or whatever. That is a yeah, tough, tough horse. That is a tough horse. In, in, um, but john's point is well taken here what's going to happen in the opening half mile might might explain what's going to happen in the stretch because they could all a couple of them could cook each other out there i mean nick's go is he is dominant as you talked and john white talked he's been extremely dominant the the, the issue today or i'm sorry saturday is you know the three-year-olds are really good this year it's a very strong crop not just medina yeah. spirit but essential quality um and um 
Mandaloon and Hot Rod Charlie. Hot Rod Charlie are all top, top horses. And any other year might be favored going into the Breeders' Cup Classic. This year, they've taken turns kind of beating each other. But they're all coming to this race really nice. And even if Nick's go had things his way, it's not like they're going to be far off of him. A uh, mile and a quarter is a long way to that first turn. So some of the riders yeah. will have to make some choices. But we'll see what um, Medina Spirit does. But I would be shocked if he wouldn't be right on Nick's go. And they move pretty we see a 45 and four half mile. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's what's going to happen too, because they 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 know the position they're in if they let Nick's go get an easy lead. So, um, it's, I, I wouldn't want to be the Some jockey. Some of those other riders and trainers and owners are going to be certainly hoping that somebody goes with Nick's go. Uh, John White's other picks before we take a break here. Uh, he does like Tarnawa in the turf. She's the defending champion. Uh, apparently her race in the arc where she finished second uh, was really, really good over some soft ground. Space Blues, he likes in the mile, that uh, European invader that's 10 for 18 lifetime. And apparently he was just awesome in his lead up race. He's won his two coming in. That's a tough race, so big, big field in that one mile race. And that Space Blues mm -hmm. does come from behind. So he's going to have to be good. Golden Pal, Wesley Ward trainee who won the juvenile sprint last year. Uh, he likes Golden Pal in the turf sprint and loves only you in the Philly and Mare turf. Some picks from John White. Okay, we'll uh, take a short break and come back with much more here on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void or prohibited, national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Horse Racing Northwest continues. Thanks for listening. This is Breeders' Cup edition. Again, Emerald Downs, of course, open as Del Mar races uh, Wednesday through Sunday this Breeders' Cup week. Vince, uh, you're heading down there to the Cup, uh, and you're going to be there present for this great action. Yeah, leaving a little earlier than I would like tomorrow morning. Um, looking forward mainly, of course, the racing, but the 70-degree weather sounds kind of nice. Mm -hmm. San Diego is always perfect in that regard. It's never hot, never cold. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. And, John, you're heading down as well? Yeah, a little, a little later than Vince, like later in the afternoon. But um, been looking forward to this trip for a while. We I went to the San Diego one the first time it was held there, and it was all closers, and I don't bet closers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping uh, to have a little better result this time. It's not my worst result. I think the worst result I ever had it was 1999. I left... Gulfstream Park talking to myself because oh, you there were was, there. I was at Gulfstream Park in 99 and I can't remember how wrong I was, but um, I remember walking out of there. I, I forget the Cat Thief or a couple Cat of, Thief over Bud Royale yeah, in the over classic. Bud Royale, but there was upsets all day oh, long yeah. there. And 
and, and um, you know, Breeders' Cups can have those days. And uh, I'm hoping to, I'm turning, I'm going to, now that my experience, I've been to the Del Mar track once for Breeders' Cup, I'll kind of adjust and we'll see if the closers are doing as good as they did uh, the last time they were there, especially on the turf. And uh, we'll watch that the next few days here. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had a lot of just poor days at the Breeders' Cup. It seems kind of like it, Seems like it goes kind of all for nothing, all or nothing for me. But anyway, uh, we'll keep ca- talking on those themes. But uh, Vince, uh, you got some news from last weekend uh, down in California. Some uh, local people done good. Well, yeah, Washington Hall of Fame trainer and several training champ, several time training champion at Emerald Downs, Tim McKenna, seven wins last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Amazing at Golden Gate, capping it on Sunday with the triple and couple of horses that would be familiar to uh, Washington people. Uh, Top Harbor, the only three-year-old in the race, by Harbor the Gold out of Reba's Tops, the 2009 Washington Horse of the Year, uh, got up and won the $75,000 Eldorado Shooter Stakes by a nose. I mentioned the only three-year-old in the race. And then uh, three races later, Rebellation, uh, Top Harbor's older sister, uh, defeated, uh, won a $31,000 allowance race easily by two and a quarter lengths. Uh, she's by acclamation out of Reba's tops. Both of those are owned and bred by, uh, Eric Schweiger, Gordy Jarnig, and Kenny Marshall. So, uh, doing great down in California that, uh, Reba's tops is the gift that keeps on giving for those three guys. I'll tell you. And Tim McKenna as well. Also, uh, race nine in between those two, uh, Emerald Downs champion older filly and mare Daffodil Sweet. She broke slowly, um, ended up running a good second uh, in a $33,000 allowance race at six furlongs. Actually looked like she might get up in mid-stretch. The horse that beat her dynasty of her own is now eight for eight on synthetic. So <laughs> Daffodil Sweet with a pretty good run in her first start there down in uh, yeah. in uh, the top Bay Area. Top filly or mare this year and top three-year-old Top three-year-old, the, the only repeat champion at Emerald Downs. There you go. Yeah. And she nosed out uh, Northwest Factor. Northwest Factor, yeah, by a nose for uh, for the play. So, real good effort by her. Northwest Factor, 2018 Godstein winner. Who Joe knows well, part was, owner. Yeah, that was uh, pretty neat. And Tim McKenna trained for you, and also I've had horses. With yeah, Tim. no, I was a client of Tim's, and um, I was one had a couple of maidens that he had uh, went at Emerald Downs, um, and he's what his record of winning maiden races here is. It's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You know, and he really hasn't had his full uh, contingent, of course, up here for, it's been about five years, hasn't yeah. it been, something like Boy, that. Boy, he had a good year with limited starters last yeah. year. I think he was like 10 for, right in the. I want to say about 10 for 40 right around there, maybe even better than that. But yeah, all his was, horses were live last year up here. He had a real good meet. Yeah, Washington Hall of Fame member, Tim McKenna. He won 10 of our first, uh, like 10 of our first 20 for sure. Training yeah, I said titles. several times. It's more than that. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> 10 he's, times, yeah. Frank Lucarelli overtook him for number one all time in the <clears throat> last few years, but Tim's a solid number two, and he's closing in on 1,000 wins here at Emerald Downs. And Tim ha- happens to be our top uh, trainer of two-year-old races one still here at Emerald Downs. Frank Lucarelli's closing in quickly on that one. And John was just mentioning all those maiden wins he's yeah. gotten over the it years. Was, uh, it was like 300-something, uh, and that was close to 10 years ago when he was really rolling up here. It's just amazing. And it's interesting. Most of them are in maiden claiming races, but you know, Tim has the ability to go to a sale, 
find something inexpensive knowing that he can get this horse to the track and yeah. break its maiden and after that whatever it does it does but yeah. I, I i sat with him a couple times when he was you know bidding on horses like no i can get that horse to the track and you know fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand or whatever it is and he's done it with all sorts of horses but now in california he's been there a few years and he's doing great and he's really good as we, uh, both of you know of course at spotting horses uh tim really knows that condition book inside and out and uh He's not afraid to take a shot with a live two-year-old in a in a claimer either. So uh, he'll roll the dice like that. He's a very very sharp horseman. I'm trying to remember who he's lost, you know. And I know he lost Hit a Star in her first time out. Doris Harwood claimed Hit a Star for like twelve five, and that horse, of course, went on to do really well. She won four races two years in a row here and won a stake. Uh, you would know this better than me, Joe. His attitude if he loses them, he's, he doesn't really fluster him, no, does it? It's, it's because. Yeah, we've done a lot of shooting in the morning, uh, you know, for our training day videos, other videos, and he has never refused to, or to tell me what horse is what. He goes, they're all for sale. They're all for sale <laughs> at all times, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they treat them good and they they uh, they race them. They keep them happy and healthy. And uh, just well, hopefully he'll show up this next year with a Lionker's Mile Contender and get that on his list. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's right. Yeah, <laughs> him and Frank, you know, Lucarelli. That's kind of the only thing those two guys are missing right. on the resume. Yeah, seven wins over three days. That is outstanding. And and Gordy Jarnig and uh, Eric Schweiger and Ken Russell, uh, um, they own the horses you mentioned. Top Harbor mm -hmm. Reba is tops. And on September twenty fifth this year, Top Harbor won, and Reba Rebellation Rebellation, yeah got beat a nose. Um, yeah, so they've that, almost so they almost, yeah, twice now. So. Okay, some uh, local connections in the Breeders' Cup. Ed and Steve Moger both went to Newport High School. Steve is the owner of Stiletto Boy, who's in the Classic. And Ed, of course, is the trainer. And Ed's been uh, relocated in uh, Northern California for, uh, well, before Emerald Downs even opened. And, of course, their father, uh, Ed Moger Sr., he was uh, head of the HBPA around here. That's what I remember, yeah. Yeah. Restrained Vengeance, he is in the dirt mile, and uh, he's, his career has just been going great since he appeared up here. And that was kind of his coming out party. It was. The 2019 mile, he went off at 29 to 1, and we talk about Judge Angelucci. He kind of had a, that Judge Angelucci of that race. He hung in, and it was a close third uh, to law-abiding citizen. Closing the gap, and too. And any port in a storm. Yeah, and uh, he was no one-hit wonder because he's followed that up, and he oh. has just been outstanding for Val Brinkerhoff ever since, and he's he's got a look in that race. And he, I think he's won 10 races since that 2019 wow. mile. We and, they, and they ship him everywhere. He's one of those horses. He'll, he'll fire anywhere. So Fred and Cindy Desimone of Snohomish, all their family and friends are down there. Freddie has uh, apparently rented two houses <laughs> in the San Diego area for the whole week. And Freddie is uh, familiar up here as an owner, very familiar, owning his own horses. He's run two of his own horses in like the last four Long Acres miles. But... He has a limited, you might say, ownership of Max Player, who's in the classic. One half of 1%. <laughs> he is owner of Max Player. It's one of those syndicates where you can buy in, but he's real happy. He's, you know, he's, hey, he's at the big stage and yeah, he's part owner. Very small part on this one, but Max Player. Who's... And Fred and Cindy, they like to have a good time. Oh, They're you just better very believe it. pleasant to be around those people. I always root for Fred. Mark Glatt, Washington native. 
is involved with uh, Dr. Shival in the sprint. Boy, there's a horse that's a, a live horse in the sprint. Loves Del Mar. Yeah. yeah. Wesley Ward is a native of uh, Sela, Washington Hall of Fame, and uh, of course, so well known now in, in Breeders' Cup. He seems to make his presence felt very nicely every year. He's got a Golden Pal, among others. Uh, or is, is it Golden Pal? Is that mm -hmm. the right name? Yeah. Yep. And Dave Stodiker, who is a. Uh, Grew up in the on the east side and played a little basketball at Shoreline CC in the 70s. Uh, became a referee and got all the way up to Pac-12 status. Uh, he now has a home in Bothell and in Florida. He is part owner of Special Reserve and Horologist. Special Reserve, I believe, is five for seven uh, since being claimed. Maybe four for six since the $40,000 claim. And... Uh, Dave's in with Mike Maker and a couple other owners, and you know, they're having a heck of a year again. He owns all. He's part owner of a lot of horses. Yeah. When you look around the country, Mike Maker's got divisions everywhere. He's mm -hmm. one of those guys, very successful. And Dave is, he's in on a lot of good horses right now. So there's some local angles for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, you mentioned you you spoke with Mark Glatt. Yeah. So Mark, everybody knows here. You know, Ron trained at Long Acres in the '80s, and then Mark kind of took over a split stable. I think. Actually, the first race, the 13th race ever run at Emerald Downs was won by a horse named Prospector's Ridge that I own that Mark trained. And then Mark went down to California. His dad followed a few years later, and his dad moved more towards um, breaking horses and kind of off the track. And Mark started, you know, his stable down there. But the last few years, he has moved into a different league of horses. He had some Breeders' Cup starters here and there. And this, I think, is his best shot. Um, I saw him two weeks ago. It, Everything's A-plus with the horse. He's been pointing towards this race since they gave the horse a break. Um, the horse has done nothing wrong. In fact, yeah. if you read the charts and watch his last race, the, the rain mm -hmm. of the horse broke right out of the gate. Flavian Pratt. Yeah. And according to what Mark said, the, the rider yelled to the riders in front, I don't have control of my horse. You better let me through. And they <laughs> kind of let the rail open for him. So... It, you that's know, a mean, story yeah it, it's kind of an interesting scenario but if you watch the head on it's like you know i don't have control i don't have a rain and if not this is going to be a problem that's what the writer said whether or not it happened i think I it's true know. watching it yeah yeah replay. anyway He's definitely anyway, out of the he, stirrup he, he beat you know some pretty nice horses including oh, yeah. um a horse that's also in that same sprint the question is now you know he's going to be facing jackie's warrior um who's i don't know one of the top sprinters we've seen in a long time and he does draw outside, and he's got some, you know, positives there. But he's definitely a strong contender, and it would be pretty cool to see Mark Latt not only win the Long Acres Mile, follow that up, and let's win a Breeders' Cup race for him. And if it's not this year, he's going to get one soon because he well, has moved into yeah. that league. Dr. Shival, a three-year-old son of violence, based in California, never raced outside the state, but he's won four in a row, including the Bing Crosby and the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. And, uh, yeah, his right rain broke in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship on October 2nd, one that just dominated. Flavian Pratt, boy, what a year he's having. He's got some great mounts. And uh, you did mention uh, Jackie's Warrior. Um, okay. I'm going to try and slight reasons why Jackie's Warrior could get beat. One, he's never run against older horses yet. Two, the, uh, I don't know how great the horses, sprinters are. He's been running against back east. Um, he's run against Drain the Clock a couple of times. 
his last race at Philadelphia at Parks, I just don't think that was that tough a field. Now, his buyer speed figures are huge, so that that's something. Um, and he has been beaten twice this year. One of them was at a mile. Actually, one at a mile and one at 7.8. So six and a half furlongs or less. Uh, he hasn't been beat, so I'm just talking here, trying to trying to get a well, favorite I'll, beat. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll take the counterpoint on him. Okay. He beat Life is Good, who was undefeated, I think, going into that race yep. and came yeah. out and is going to be a big favorite, although I think Life is Good might be a little vulnerable. Do his, you? His okay. last race, Jackie's Warrior went super fast. Parks is not that right. type of a track That's and drew away like, there was, I mean, it was one of these races that almost too good to be true, but this is a strange Breeders' Cup sprint to me because a lot of times there's a lot of California horses that go 21 and 1, 21 and 2. That's not happening this year. So I, I don't think California, although I, I, we talked about Mark Glassworth, a pretty nice horse undefeated and all, but he's not the type of horse that can go 21 and change, at least up to this point on a regular basis. So I think Jackie's Warrior at inside post kind of commits them to yeah. go to the lead there. And if he comes anywhere near his last two starts, I mean, he's going to be tough to beat there. And I agree, he hasn't faced older horses yet, but this isn't, there's no Artax in here. You know, there's not a horse that can do that type of, you know, even we talked about um, 87, very subtle. I remember she went 43 and change in that race here. And I just- Dusted was, groovy. Yeah, yeah she just ran them off their feet. In fact, that quote's one of the best of all time on TV. They get off, they talk to the rider and they ask him what happened. And he says- I ask horse go, horse no go. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. Was it Santos? Uh, yeah, it was Jose Santos. Yeah. Patrick okay. Valenzuela rode, rode very yeah. subtle. Yeah. So, but, you know, we've seen a lot of sprints and up till maybe the mid 2000s, the California horses dominated. In fact, Bob yeah. Baffert's very first Breeders' Cup win was with 30 slews at Gulfstream Park. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think the California sprinters are as dominant this year as maybe some other years. And that's yeah. kind of why Jackie's Warrior to me. And and those fractions for Eastern tracks consistently for Jackie's Warriors are just really fast. I mean, yeah. He, he, he's quick. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> but, I, I got but Dr. Scheibel in the pool, if, if, so if, I'm if hoping. You, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm actually rooting for Dr. Scheibel, but from a handicapping perspective, I have a hard time getting past Jackie's Warrior. One last thing about him. Mm -hmm. I was I had a horse run in California, uh, Majestic Eagle, a week and a half ago, and I was down there, and I look up. This was a few races earlier at the paddock, and there's Steve Ashmus in there. And I'm like, what's he doing here? Well, they interviewed his assistant trainer about 10 minutes later in the paddock. He shipped all his horses over to California early. He's been there. His assistant, Scott, I can't Lassie. pronounce it, Blassie's been mm -hmm. there. He went one for 44 or something at Keeneland because the whole basically wow. barn is yeah. in Southern California. No so kidding. Yeah. when you're looking at Breeders' Cup races, don't worry about his Ricardo recent. Ricardo Santana, I think, was 0 for 77 at Keeneland. It, it wasn't a good. Yeah. yeah. My gosh. But, I didn't. Yeah. Well, but we took the A team. We put the A team yeah. in California. So he's been, all his horses are pointed towards this race. And this is not, we're going to ship in yeah. because the season's over and we're going to take a and shot. He, and he has done well on the West Coast. It was, uh, was it Gunrunner? And uh, Matoli in the sprint was uh, Aspison a couple of years ago. Two so, years ago, yeah, Matoli. So he, he has a MO he uses going to the West Coast, and it's been very successful for him. Yeah, so. I was shocked to see him there. I was looking, I'm like, is hmm. that? And sure enough, it was, and then, then they didn't, did the interview. And, and just to follow up on that, another guy who has not done good that a lot of people will look at is Pletcher. Pletcher's yeah. record shipping into California, he's won. I think Vino Rossi was one of his. 
That's I'm not right. sure on that. But overall, yeah. if you look at the numbers, it's more of an afterthought to him. Now, granted, we're not going to throw out his horses and just, yeah. but but just be aware when you talk at East Coast ship in the West, sometimes you have a guy like Ashmerson who's been pointing and is here. Other yeah. ones, hey, we're going to ship in on top of the race. We hope we do good. I, I should have written down the number, but one that's been dreadful in the Breeders' Cup is Aiden O'Brien. I read the numbers on him. It and and he's had a lot of well-fancied runners, and of course he's one of the sure. greatest trainers in the world. But for whatever reason, his horses have not run well in the Breeders' Breeders' Cup overall. Was he the trainer of Dancing Brave? Do you remember? Way back, I, remember? I don't no, think that, so. That was one of the first real <laughs> bombs of the Breeders' Cup because that was supposed to be one of the greatest horses of all time. And I think didn't the horse wash out on the track and never? Manila really... won that race, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, over theatrical, I think. But overall, we got to admit that the, the Euros have been pretty darn good in the, oh, yeah. in the Breeders' <laughs> Cup. Well, we're going to take a short time out uh, and we're going to come back and we'll hear from Anthony Stabile and more Breeders' Cup talk here from Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup Week. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Horse Racing Northwest, Breeders' Cup Week, Emerald Downs. Of course, we're open Wednesday through Sunday for full-card simulcasting. The Breeders' Cup, a two-day affair. Gates open Friday at 9 a.m. Gates open Saturday at 8.30 a.m. here at Emerald Downs. Get your handicapping done. Chance for some good-sized payoffs because of you know, the field size. And, you know, long shots, which we talked about percentages earlier, but... Uh, they're good horses that are long shots. It's not like a, a maiden 8,000 where numbers eight and nine are right. never going to win a race. And uh, they're big long shots. But in these cases, it's... that's right. You know, because uh, usually when you see a horse win at 30 to one, you look back in there, you can see something you might have missed or, you know, you can find one virtuous thing about them here. You can <laughs> look back and see uh, 10 good things that the horse had to offer. It's just the competition was so tough. Yeah. Well, uh, the Big A Anthony Stabil joined uh, us as a uh, quite a regular guest, semi-regular on the Win Play Show for many years, and had some great picks in the Northwest. He he thinks fondly of us still, and uh, he fully respects and likes and is in awe of Jackie's Warrior in a sprint. That's one of his angles. But let's hear more on the 2021 Breeders' Cup from the Big A Anthony Stabil. Hello, all of my friends in the Pacific Northwest. The Big A, Anthony Stabile here, getting ready for Breeders' Cup 38 this Friday and Saturday out at Del Mar, where the turf meets the surf. Future Stars Friday, really looking forward to Echo Zulu. Can't really make any money in the juvenile fillies. The turf races are a little bit of a spread, but I feel like you could single Echo Zulu in the pick five, and I feel like you could single Jack Christopher in the pick five. I'm really looking forward to his performance in the juvenile in race nine, breaking from the rail. Love the way he showed speed in his debut. Love the way he was able to turn off and rate in the champagne here at Belmont Park. Jack Christopher's maiden race, reminiscent of Uncle Mo for me, and those are some pretty big words and shoes to fill, but his champagne was equally as impressive, and I think he'll stretch out this mile on the 16th won't be a problem, especially at Del Mar, 
which is going to play a role, I think, in both days, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, looking forward to Jack Christopher breaking from the rail. Jose Ortiz will just use his speed. So I think you can make some money in the juvenile vertically as well as horizontally, singling him. I don't like Cornish. She's the horse I'm probably against most this weekend. Uh, I thought the sprint was much better, much better than his two-turn race in the American Pharaoh, and despite the fact that he won the American Pharaoh by three and a quarter lengths, I think he's the one I'm going to try and fade. I actually think the other Baffert horse, Pinehurst, might be okay stretching out the number nine. I'll use him underneath, um, and I will use Command Performance underneath. I think Command Performance, even though he's a maiden, ran really well in the Champagne. So I'll play a little 110. I'll make a backup 1-9 and try and fade the number 12 Corniche in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Saturday, Championship Saturday, a big day. Championship Saturday over at Del Mar. And the horse I'm looking most forward to betting is a little different than the horse I'm most forward to looking uh, and watching. I'm looking forward to Nick's go the most. But I want to bet on blowout in the Breeders' Cup Mile. And this is a Pacific Northwest exclusive right now. I haven't written about this or talked about this horse anywhere else. I love Joel Rosario climbing aboard. I love the fact that she's going to be the speed of the speed in a race where there's not a lot of speed. Smooth like straight has some speed, but no one's as fast as this filly. And nobody's as good as Joel Rosario at doling out speed on the front end. Now, I know he rode her in the four-star Dave at Saratoga when she went to the lead. Um, and she just got she got beat that day. I think the break kind of hurt her. She had 10 and a half, 11 weeks off that day. And now she comes in having some recency, having raced 28 days ago. And I think that's when she's at her best, when she has some time. So I like blowout a lot in the mile. I like smooth like straight. I, I, I think the speed is going to dominate the race. And I think the way to make money with this Breeders' Cup in general is to try to find some value in the turf races because, quite frankly, I don't see it in the dirt races. I'm a big fan of playing pick fours and pick fives. The way I'm going to attack the late pick five I'm gonna single the truth. I'm gonna single Jackie's Warrior to kick it off. I don't think anybody can beat Jackie's Warrior. So I'm gonna single Jackie's Warrior. I'm gonna use Blowout. I'm gonna use Smooth Like Straight. I'll use Raging Bull, a couple of others. And then I'll come back with a second pick five ticket singling Blowout. So, use a few in the mile, come back. Latrus is gonna be really, really tough. I mean, I don't, I just don't think that there's anybody out there as talented as her. But I've bet so much money on Dunbar Road the last couple of years in the distaff that I kind of have to use her as a little bit of insanity insurance. So maybe on that backup ticket where I come back and single blowout, um, I'll use some Dunbar Road. Maybe even she dares the devil. We'll see. Uh, definitely Dunbar Road. Uh, come back in the turf. Use a bunch of horses in the turf. It's a race that I really don't have a, a, a strong handle on. I'll probably make a pick five ticket at some point that looks like Jackie's Warrior, Blowout, Latruska, all... And then we'll get to the last. Nick's go just too fast for those horses. But I feel like if you want to lock up the classic, you use Nick's go, you use Essential Quality, and you use Hot Rod Charlie in that order. If one of those three horses don't win that race, I'd be stunned. And Nick's go, short stretch at Del Mar. I think it mitigates him trying to get that extra eighth of a mile. He's the speed of the speed which is why I think Essential Quality is probably his biggest threat. Hot Rod Charlie and Medina Spirit both have to show some speed and chase after Nick's go early, and maybe Essential Quality is the one to pick them up, but I have a lot of confidence in Nick's go. It, looked, it looks chalky on the dirt. I think you can find some chaos on the turf and focus that chaos around blowout. Let's hope that's how she wins. 
the Breeders' Cup Mile. Best of luck to everyone. You can catch me on America's Day at the races all week long. You can catch me over at VegasInsider.com. All of the races are previewed, and there's pick packs available. Great talking, everyone. We'll talk to you over the winter. Best of luck, Breeders' Cup weekend. Thanks to the Big A, Anthony Stabile. He'll be up at the Mohegan Sun if you're up in that neck of the woods, a little bit upstate New York. Uh, That's been a tradition for him, but congratulations to the Big A. He's now part of the Fox Sports broadcast of New York Racing. This was his first week. and uh, Great show. Oh, yeah. And I think he certainly deserves that. He uh, he really knows the game, uh, and he's got the lingo, and he's – He's got the short memory as handicappers need to have and uh, really knows how to to follow the game and, and uh, verbalize it. So thanks, Anthony, for your look at the Breeders' Cup. I got one bad beat story in the Breeders' Cup. It was uh, 2000, uh, 2000 at Churchill, and I like this filly in the juvenile nasty storm. And I really bet quite a bit of money on her on all different ways. Uh, pick this, pick that, win play, win show, whatever. Exact as I had a lot of money on her for me, and she didn't run that great, like fifth or sixth or something. So I was stuck like a rat early in the day. And uh, since we do that, this draft, Vince wasn't here yet. He was still in California, but we did our draft. Uh, so I was. Uh, um, pretty familiar with you know the races because you'd study up to to make your picks in our in our Breeders Cup draft and so buddy of mine wanted hey let's do a pick six Joe let's uh, let's meet over there at the Iron Horse let's do a pick six so we uh, George Dave and I we started going and I of course I had a lot of input because George George is pretty easy to go along with anyway we came up with a five hundred ninety two dollar ticket we single Kona Gold we start hitting 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 we had a nine to one we hit. You know, Kona Gold won our single. So we get to the classic. We've got five horses. <laughs> five horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And it's going to pay about 55000 And we had a, yeah, $592 ticket. Hmm. And, you know, Mike Pegram had that Captain Steve, who in the Super Derby made like two great runs at Tis Now. And he couldn't pass him. Mm-hmm. Then he ran against Tis Now in the Goodwood, and he made two more great runs at Tis Now and couldn't pass him. And I'm talking about this, you know, because he's going to be a price. Uh, this Captain Steve, man, this horse is tough, you know. Wasn't that the Goodwood with Freedom Crest one? Uh, 30 to 1 over Tis Now, I want to say. Or maybe it that could, was 2001. Okay, yeah. I think Tis Now won the race. So yeah. Anyway, Captain Steve, I'm, uh, so we got him. <laughs> And we got uh, Fusaichi Pegasus, and we got Giants Causeway, and we got Albert the Great, and we got five of them anyway. You got all the nuts. And they ran like two, three, four, five, six, because Tis Now won. <laughs> we left him out because he had the 12 hole or something. You don't leave mm-hmm. a horse uh, from an outside post on past a mile, past a mile. You can even use them at a mile and a 16th. They got a little room to the first turn. And here I'm talking about all these stories about how Captain Steve makes these great runs at, and the thing still paid like forty-eight thousand to Tis. No, Tis now was about ten to one that day, I think. Yeah, he was ten yeah. to twelve to one. Yeah. So anyway, we lost. And you got consolation, we got the consolation though. though. We did. We had, good. Yeah, we got eighteen hundred back for our five ninety-two. That was a good. But uh, that was kind of a rough beat because we had five horses. Yeah, you were and everybody right at the track. Oh, Joe's going to win the pick six. Joe's going <laughs> to win. Joe's got five horses. He's going to win the pick six. You know, we got all the the next. I think they did run two, three, four, 
two, three, four, maybe six. Okay, guys, uh, want to do some selections? Uh, yeah, John, you go, John. Yeah, um, Vince, you mentioned the Philly and Mare turf, so I, I'll be curious to see what you think of. Um, I Dubai has been an interesting experiment, you know, before the American horses grew over and then dominate, and then some of the Europeans, and in recent years, we've seen a lot of Japanese horses do really well there. And in the race coming up here, um, the Philly and Mare turf, which is race seven on Saturday, there's a horse, Loves Only You, who is a Japanese, uh, Japanese mare, that did go to Dubai, ran in the top race there. It's a, you know one of the big races there. Ran a very close third, then went back to Hong Kong and then Japan. And I haven't seen too many Japanese horses in Breeders' Cups yet. There's some showing up, I think, for the first time. We've yeah, seen a several few this year. Yeah, several this year. They don't get Lasix. One of the things that we always looked at prior to the last couple of years is European horses would come over and they get Lasix for the first time, which is a big positive in some people's minds, in my mind for sure. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have that option anymore. So the Europeans are kind of on the same ground with the local horses, but we haven't seen too many Japanese horses, and she really intrigues me. I've just seen them dominate some big races around the world. She's been running against Colts. She gets only fillies this time. She has enough tactical speed to say, stay somewhat close, I think in a paceless race. And I don't think she's gonna draw a lot of money in the betting because a lot of the public's unfamiliar with the Japanese horses. So she's four to one morning line though. Correct. I just, when we look at betting, I don't think she's going to be, she won't be favored. I don't think, no. I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if she went off around six to one. Another, I like Larry, her too. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I, I like know. her. I don't know what Vince, Vince had thought about the race. And you know, you, you got a horse like going to Vegas, who's in the one hole and it's going to be a kind of going into that first turn is going to be a little tricky because the turn comes up really fast. So those outside horses are going to have to at least get some position, but if she can get out of the gate clean, cleanly and get some position, I think she's going to be pretty formidable there. And she's one of the horses I'm going to key in a race that's really hard, but I'm hoping that she can get a, uh, you know, some position early and we'll see if she can run to the form. Cause I think her races really give her an edge over this field. Yeah, that, last last five starts against male opposition, and uh, yeah, she's a five-year-old mare by Deep Impact, who of course has been a, one of Sunday Silence's best sons in Japan, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I, four to one morning line, so I, I put her as my top pick in that race. I didn't get her in the draft though, Vince, you didn't either. No, but you know, uh, John mentioned that what my thought on this race, my thought on the race is more not an analysis of the race. I'm strictly got an angle that mm. I'm looking at in the race. And that is that Richard Mandela is sensational in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. And I always look for horses of him that are going to go off at big odds. I mean, you trace it back, they fire. And he, he's one of those trainers who in their races leading up to the Breeders' Cup, they're building up to something usually. Now, if you go to the Breeders' Cup Billion Mare Turf, race seven Saturday, number 11, Dog Tag, has, she's certainly not a world beater, and she doesn't win a lot. But I think the key for her could be going a mile and a quarter. She is a plotter, and uh, and she gets Flavian Pratt, who did get the last, did win the last time this horse did win, and she yeah. has run okay over the Del Mar surface. And I think at a huge price, if none of these invaders prove to be that they're world beaters, I think she's got... A long shot look, just strictly for my respect for Richard Mandela in the Breeders' Cup over the years. So, dog tag. Well, she yeah, also we'll, has I'll tactical speed. She's got it, tactical speed. Which is a big positive. And, and, and the way she finishes mm -hmm. her races, I, I think she can get a mile and a quarter. And you did get her in the draft. 
Yeah, I did. You know, and we still remember 2003 when how many races did he win? He won Five. four or four. He won four Breeders' Cup races, and in '93, also at Oak Tree, he won two Breeders' Cup races and two undercard races. Yeah. So twice on Breeders' Cup days in Southern California, he's had four win days. He won both the juvenile races in 03. Yeah. Action this day and that really good filly. Half Bridal, was that her name? Half Bridal, yeah. The and Julie Crone Road. Yeah, the he won the classic. Oh, he won the classic with Pleasantly Perfect at 14 jo- to 1. Johar? And Johar dead yeah. heated Johar, in, the, yeah. in the turf. In the longest photo in history. Was it? <laughs> you can remember, yeah. It went on and on and on. But the point being, Mandela is in the Hall of Fame. And he's good at bringing a horse up to, uh, uh, to the big, biggest race on the calendar. So we'll see with Dog Tag. Okay, and uh, you know what? Do you guys have a list of the names of the horses in I the do. juvenile? Mm-hmm. Right here, it's the second. There's the a horse uh, called uh, Giant Game, thirty to one for Dale Romans. He's run twice. He's uh, um, is he Giant's Causeway out of uh, what kind of mare? More than ready. Out of a more than ready mare, and. He won his last out, and it was at 49 to the half. Mm-hmm. And he's 30 to 1. His buyer figures are low. Well, last year, um, Hot Rod Charlie went 49 to the half and mm-hmm. won a race, I think going a mile. He was got 94 like a, to 1 in the Got Breeders like Cup a 74 buyer. Yeah. And then he ran in the Breeders' Cup the next race at 94 to 1, as you said. Yeah. Two and this buyers horse, are tricky, right? This horse is uh, bred for success, and he's yeah. lightly raced. I can see him... Moving forward, I like it. there's my that's my real bomber, giant game number seven in the juvenile. That makes so. I'm I'll buy that. You know, I just I just happened to notice the the slight comparison to Hot Rod Charlie. <laughs> is that yours, John, or is that no, Vince's? And Hot Rod Charlie, as we talked earlier, is one of the ones in the classic this year. Yeah, you know, you can make a pretty good case that he was probably best in the Belmont Stakes because he was hooked every yeah. step of the yeah. way. And he the did all horse, the heavy lifting. The other horse, uh, Central Quality, got a perfect trip to beat him, and since then, Hot Rod to me yeah, has yeah, improved. And, he, and he's fired <laughs> two huge shots after that. He had the tough disqualification in the Haskell and did come out a little bit in a yeah. subsequent race. Um, but boy, he is a gamester, that hot rod Charlie. Yeah, as we were talking earlier, the three-year-olds are not slouches this, this year. There's yeah. no question that um, they they all have talent and they're all coming into the race in good form. So we'll see if they can make Nick's go and some of the older horses And work. this is the time of year, if you're a three-year-old, is to take on the older horses. And three-year-olds, yeah, have done well in the Classic many times over the years. I think I looked up the sprint, which Jackie's Warrior, of course, is a three-year-old mm-hmm. who hasn't run against Olders, but three-year-olds have won the sprint, I think, nine times. So it's not. Uh, yeah. This horse, Tiona, in the uh, turf, this is a three-year-old filly uh, from Europe, trained by Roger Varian and D. Egan's aboard. But uh, she wasn't all that much. Uh, last year, as a two-year-old, she won by nine lengths. Uh, among two starts and then earlier this year may june she didn't show much at all snowfall beat her both times snowfall's a good filly snowfall won the race one was a group one then she was off from june 4th to august 28th she comes back with the three and three quarter length victory in a minor stake listed stake at windsor then she goes to longchamp for a group one and she beats Snowfall at 17 to 1. So she's two for two off a, a three-year-old uh, early summer to late summer layoff. She's come back. Um, 
and she looks like a really good filly. And uh, to me, she looks like she should be a little higher than six to one, but uh, she's getting a lot of respect from John White's morning line. But that could be a real emerging horse there as, as she's totally turned her career around in the late summer, early fall of 2021. She has the 12 hole, but you know, that doesn't make too much difference going a mile and three eighths. I mean, a little bit. So there's a there's a six to one angle. I wish she was higher. <laughs> you know, it's interesting for me. The turf races, the turf mile, the turf race you talked about, mm-hmm. and the turf sprint have got to be the three toughest races on the they car. Are, yeah. For oh, sure. that mile is just nuts. <laughs> I mean, and then well, trips in the mile, of course. Yeah. If you're going to save ground and get through and all that. And the turf sprints only five furlongs this yeah. year, so you've got you've no got margin some, for error. Yeah, this is going to be. It's good from a betting perspective because if you're right, even if it's a favorite, you're going to do well. But, man, they are some tough races. Yeah. They really are. But that's why we love it. We were going to talk earlier. That's why we're going to see some prices win. And Goldakova managed to get it done, what, three times? Or yeah, wasn't she four. won three and she Mies- won three. Miesk won two. two. Yeah. Yeah. She she was part of the oh boy yeah, eighty seven eighty eight that's right yeah. Mask one in eighty seven then beat simply majestic in eighty eight at oh, Churchill really? wow yeah <laughs> okay uh, that's some good stuff Breeders Cup coming up a uh, lot of chances and uh, let's see just to finish off with a little trivia because we um, had one in late October Vince at our most recent podcast what was the most common number of wins for the meat leading horse at Emerald Downs. I would have guessed six. Uh, nope. Five? Five. <laughs> 15 times the, the meat leader in wins has had five victories. Hmm. 15 times in 26. This year it was four, but we had a little shorter. Shorter meat, yeah. yeah. I think it was four last year with the uh, Omachi kid. Wasn't Correct, it? four yeah. last year also. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, here's one that is easy to look up, the answer on this one. Who's the leading sire of races won in Breeders' Cup history? We'll just do the answer here today. <laughs> you guys got any ideas? You know, because I oh, was yeah. I saw Uncle Mo and I thought, you know, Uncle Mo was a great horse and he got off to a fantastic start as a sire. But has he ever sired a Breeders' Cup winner? So I looked it up and he has. He's Nyquist won as a two-year-old and when, then went on to win the Kentucky Derby as well. And he's got uh, one other one too. He's got two winners. But the leader has seven wins seven breeders cup races won his name was mentioned on this show earlier i was gonna think it was one of those overbrook stallions from the 80s but i'm drawing a blank yeah it's more than ready oh Oh, yeah yeah interesting he has one horse it's one you know what joe they it's a little bit of more of an advantage to be a modern sire because there's more races now right there's more races and and then and his horses are mostly grass but uh, Roy, Roy H. That's Roy a more H. than ready. He won twice on dirt, two dirt spreads. Yeah. That's his more than ready. He's only two time winner. Okay. So we answered the trivia question. I would have thought it had been more than seven. That's yeah, I would have too, really. That shows you how tough it is. Cause there's been cup. 360 races. Yeah. All right. Anything else, fellas? Good luck to everybody mm-hmm. out there. John, thanks for joining us. Yeah, John and Vince headed down to San Diego for the 38th Breeders' Cup. Have a great time. And Thanks for your expertise. Joe will hold down the fort up yeah. here. And uh, we'll see where it takes us. Thanks to Cy, our producer. And we'll do another uh, Emerald Downs Horse Racing Northwest podcast sometime before Christmas. Before we'll leave opening it day at Santa Anita. There you go. Okay. That's it for this edition of Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>